You're listening to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show presented by SuperOps.ai, where we go behind the scenes with today's top MSP owners and experts and get to know what they are really doing to evolve their business. Welcome to SuperPod, the No Filter MSP show. I'm Monica, the product evangelist at SuperOps.ai, and I will be your host for the day. And today on our show, we have Robert Jolliffe, uh, who is the owner of MicroAge and Sable Limited, two IT service businesses that focus on industrial and manufacturing companies. We're going to talk about how that came about, but uh, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll move on to introducing him. So uh, he started off as a production and industrial engineer before transitioning into IT and ERP. Um, so hi, Robert. Welcome to the show. Hi, Monica. Um, so uh, is there anything you'd like to add to the introduction? I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that you've done. And uh, yeah, it's, it's all yours. Go ahead. Tell us. Tell us all about you. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, thanks for inviting me to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I started uh, shortly after I, I graduated university. I had a mechanical engineering degree and I began working as a manufacturing engineer. And the company I worked for didn't have very good uh, computer systems. Uh, they weren't networked. And um, it, it made my job harder because I always wanted to print to the laser printer that was in the mm -hmm. front office. And I didn't like taking floppy disks. I'm old. I'm in my <laughs> So this was this was back in the old days before Windows. And so I, I got something called Lantastic that mm -hmm. I bought at a local computer store and I installed it um, at my at my employer. Um, and uh, and so I was able to print to the laser printer in the front and we were able to share files between the computers. And this was really cool. I liked this. Um, I left that job that was in Montreal. Mm -hmm. uh, Canada. I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm originally from Quebec, but I've, I've lived in both Quebec and Ontario for my whole life. So I had, okay. I had married a girl from Ontario. We moved back um, and, uh, and I got a job and the company Sweet. was looking for someone with some IT background who could do in, in industrial engineering. And they had Lantastic. And when I said, well, I've worked with Lantastic, they, they said, that's fantastic. You're hired. Oh. Um, and after a little while, I realized, okay, this is not really just a part-time IT job. This is a big company. They have 50, 50 computers. Uh, they were networked on um, uh, coax, Ethernet, like 10 base 2 coax uh, cabling. So it was very old, um, or 10 base T. And um, the yeah, it took it took quite a bit of time. Uh, I think it took about three or four years to get them to the point where they were a more uh, robust environment. I, mm -hmm. I implemented Novell. Um, uh, Novell 3 and then upgraded it to Novell 4 later mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, became a certified Novell engineer I decided I would I would learn it because I was I was doing so much work with it uh, right. we put Windows 95 in uh, I put the first NT server in so this was over a four-year period between about okay. 1994 and 98. Wow okay yeah so this was this was early days of some of this technology and they right. had an ERP system okay and and they wanted me to learn it. And so I learned the ERP system. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and uh, about after about four years of working for this company, mm -hmm. uh, people within the, um, the region who mm -hmm. went to the 
you know, they went to the user group meetings for the ERP and things like that. I was the only IT manager. So they okay. would start calling me and saying, oh, you know, our server is slow or oh. we want to want a crystal report written for our ERP or whatever, whatever their request was, they, they would ask me, could you do that? And I thought, well, you know what, I can make some money doing this. Maybe it's right. time to quit my job. So you're That's doing, not- so you're doing IT and ERP, half IT, half ERP. Yeah. I had clients who wanted new computers installed and, mm-hmm. and a network and they didn't, they didn't have an ERP. They had QuickBooks or simply okay. account, something like that. Um, okay. and then I had, I had customers who had a Novell network with the ERP system that I, mm-hmm. I knew, which was an, mm-hmm. in, now it's an in for ERP, but back then it was, it was called visual manufacturing. Okay. And, okay. um, you know, there were, there were probably about 40 companies within 75 kilometers, which is about 50 miles of my, my offices or my home that okay. had this ERP system. So mm-hmm. I just generally um i would service these companies i would i would help them with training mm-hmm. their employees or modifying report layouts or doing a little bit of custom programming i learned mm-hmm. some visual music. wow okay yeah that's how i got started interesting so when when uh, companies or businesses come to you i mean it's it's a it's a it's a common uh, misconception if i may uh, you know how it and the art we are kind of looked at uh, as you know uh, similar things, right? So, how, so why don't you tell our listeners what the difference is between, you know, uh, MSP and ERP? Because when when businesses look at it, it's it seems almost the same, but it isn't, right? So, uh, so what what exactly is the difference between the two? Well, and I have this debate all in ERP system in about four hours, and have. Mm-hmm server installed and ERP and have the icon on the desk of the first user. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That user can't use it. They don't understand it. They, they need right. a lot of training. And so right. within my organization, I have mm-hmm. uh, four or five employees, six or seven actually, who mm-hmm. couldn't have installed it. They're right. incapable of installing it, but they could train mm-hmm. the customer to use right. it. Okay. And okay. These, these people are non-technical. They are, mm-hmm. they were a purchasing agent at a, mm-hmm. at a, company or they were a production scheduler or they were inventory manager or they were a estimator or an accountant and mm-hmm. their their experience is not in IT their experience is in business and I think that ERP is much more of a business change management mm-hmm. uh, business consulting mm-hmm. uh, activity than it is an right. IT activity now correct yes there's programmers and sometimes mm-hmm. you're doing custom programming. And so, okay, right. that's that MSPs do that too sometimes. <laughs> right. right. And there's, there's IT technicians because you might mm-hmm. need to install SQL Server and set the network up correctly or firewall correctly to allow remote access. So there's mm-hmm. IT work. Correct. But it's kind of like, it's, I guess a good way of putting it would be like saying if you were a company and you resold CAD, mm-hmm. computer aided design, AutoCAD, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Or, right. that you would be an MSP. Because Correct. it's IT and, but it isn't, that's not an MSP. MSPs don't Correct. generally sell that technology Correct. Correct. because often those companies are training the engineers to use mm-hmm. the software. Mm-hmm. And you, have to be you have to be an engineer to train an engineer to use software like that. So, right. so yeah, I, I, I think ERP systems and IT are, are very, very different. Now right. Right. the world has changed. Mm-hmm. We sell today, we've mm-hmm. changed 
business, we sell Microsoft Dynamics 365. Mm-hmm. And within within our our region, within that 50 mile, 75 kilometer radius, mm-hmm. our customers are the manufacturing companies that we deal with generally, almost all mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. who um, have an ERP system. And sometimes they bought the ERP from us. Sometimes they just feel more comfortable because we're comfortable with ERPs, so they're not scared mm-hmm. of us damaging it. And <laughs> that's how we became specialists in that area. Right, right. Got it, got it, got it. So, but it, uh, yeah, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, selling the ERP definitely helps sell the MSP services. Okay. And selling the MSP services helps sell the As ERP. ERP. Got it, got it, got it. Got it. So, so you're saying that that is the sweet spot, right? That is a sweet spot where when you um, sell ERP, it helps you with your MSP services. And when you, when you sell your MSP services, it helps you. It's, it's like a two-way road. It is. And the, a few years ago, I think four or five years ago or more, we only sold our ERP in our local region. Okay. Um, and we started experimenting with doing remote implementations mm-hmm. and we f- figured out we could do an ERP implementation with Zoom. So now we sell the ERP all across North Interesting. America. Interesting. Um, and this was before COVID. So before COVID happened, we, we were mm-hmm. experimenting with that technique. That kind of made it hard. It, be, it became mm-hmm. confusing to cl- clients because mm-hmm. I could sell them an ERP system in Texas, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. do SP practices in Texas. So I mm-hmm. split at that time and uh, I, okay. company and I created two business units so that they they I could advertise them and, and market them separately. Got it, got it. Yeah, got it. I have something, there's something else that I wanted to ask you. You you mentioned Microsoft Dynamics Business Central, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh you know when I speak to MSPs generally when we when we touch on these topics uh what i hear is that or what i what i see or observe is that you know msps don't usually partner with businesses who sell uh business central so you know you, you've been selling uh, a business central microsoft dynamics business central so wh- how do you see it what is your experience like why is it that msps don't prefer to partner with uh, such businesses well i think in the old days um mm-hmm. MSPs didn't get a lot of value out of selling UP because they wouldn't get they wouldn't get any margin. They wouldn't get any, there was no revenue, there was no benefit to the mm-hmm. MSP for the ERP. So they might help their client look for an ERP. But mm-hmm. I think today with Dynamics 365 Business Central, mm-hmm. almost all MSPs sell Office 365, virtually every right. one of them. Right. And Business Central integrates very tightly with it. It's sold mm-hmm. the same way. Mm-hmm. The MSP can really benefit by selling Business Central, but like I said earlier, right. selling an ERP is not the same as IT. So Correct. you need to have the ability to train and right. to do the business coaching and consulting, and and they just don't have that capability. And that's that's what I was talking to you before the show started. That mm-hmm. that's an area I think MSPs could could really benefit from because if they bring Business Central forward to their clients, mm-hmm. they're they're adding more value, value. something that, Correct. Hey, look, this is something we could sell you, but right. they need to partner with organizations like, mm-hmm. like ours, for instance, that can mm-hmm. help do the deployment and installation right. consulting. Right. And 
they did, they would have the benefit of the of the the revenue from the business central. It's a very good margin on a business central right. uh, sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, in U.S. dollars, it's a it's a hundred dollars per user in a wow. uh, in a in a manufacturing facility, and it's it's about wow. twenty. 20 to 25 percent margin. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got if you've got a manufacturing facility with 20 users, you're getting two thousand dollars a month of monthly recurring revenue, mm-hmm. and then you just have to outsource the implementation. Mm-hmm. And and ideally, you want to find a company that's really good at doing it remotely, and will give right. you some some commission on that on that sale, which we do as well. So, I think mm-hmm. I think it's just a really good opportunity for CSPs uh, right. and MSPs to sell right. a business. And Microsoft right. really wants this. Like they really, really mm-hmm. want. Could if you I? sell 365, Microsoft right. wants to sell Business Central. Right. Is there something that Microsoft is doing to, to kind of encourage or enable uh, uh, MSPs to, you know, uh, sell uh, Business Central? Is that is there a, because because you, you just said that Microsoft is interested. It, it, it is business for them, right? But is there something specifically that they're doing any kind of, programs, any kind of partner programs or, uh, you know, uh, things that they're doing to, to enable MSPs to help this to their customers? They're, Microsoft is talking a lot about something they call the partner to partner motion. Okay. Um, which is um, if, if, you, if you go into your Microsoft dashboard and you take a look, you'll find a co-selling opportunity section. Mm-hmm. So they're really pushing that now. At Inspire, they talked a lot about co-selling. Mm-hmm. And um, they also, Microsoft is also uh, very big on the industry specialization. They really are, are focusing, especially in the cloud now, mm-hmm. on building mm-hmm. industry, areas of industry specialization in the cloud. So between right. the co and the industry specialization groups, what they're hoping is they want to get the CSPs and the MSPs who are mm-hmm. selling the Office 365 product, they want them right. to begin communicating with the other uh, Microsoft partners, the, the mm-hmm. development, uh, SharePoint developers, right. uh, ERP resellers, CRM resellers. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. want them to start exchanging basically lead opportunities. Mm-hmm. So they are, they are encouraging that. Okay. I think that to be honest, mm-hmm. my experience so far has been that it's the big MSPs mm-hmm. and, and the big ERP partners that are partnering. Right. So right. MSPs with a few hundred employees, mm-hmm. they have 10 or 15 sales reps and they'll pick one sales rep and say, okay, you're going to become the expert with Business Central and sell it. Right. And right. Then partner with a really large um, Business Central reseller implementer mm-hmm. as well. Okay. Uh, I think the small MSPs are really a huge, there's a huge opportunity for them okay. because for them, one sale of, of you know, like I said earlier, somewhere right. in $2,000 a month of extra uh, revenue is a big yes. deal. Correct. Correct. And if they got five to $10,000 of commission from a, um, from the training that could, mm-hmm. that could occur, mm-hmm, it, it would be worth it for them to do it. But I, I think it's, okay it's hard to educate them because they're, they're busy. We're like all of us small, I'm a small MSP too. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, we're busy. We don't have time to, to figure out all of those details. Right. Right. Got it. Got it. So um, is there anything else that you think, uh, uh, you know, that is stopping? So we did talk about, you know, 
um, small MSPs missing out on an opportunity, a huge opportunity, in fact. And also, there's also the fact that, you know, you're busy running your uh, everyday um, business and you're delivering IT services every day. So you're, you're busy there. But is there any other, um, uh, any other roadblock uh, for such a partnership apart from these two? Anything else? that you think? Yeah, I think, I think there's a lack of trust. Okay. And I think that's, that's probably one of the things that, and, and, and a bit of fear there are, I've heard stories of mm -hmm. MSPs who decided they were going to try and sell mm -hmm. this dynamics. Maybe they're going to sell the CRM system mm -hmm. and it just doesn't go well, you know, and, and it's because they try and do it themselves, mm -hmm. but they, they're worried about going to a third party. Mm. They don't know them. What happens okay. if that person approaches my customer? What if that person does a bad job? It's going to look mm. bad on me. Okay. And so I think there is a, a kind of a concern mm. with, um, with, with reselling an ERP system systems, right. To, Got it. You know, that, that they can't service themselves. And they mm -hmm. have to rely on the on the third party. So and and I understand that. I mean, mm -hmm. I would I would be really upset or worried if somebody did a bad job. Right, 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 right. It's 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 understandable. I get it. I get it. Um, all right, got it. So now I want to go back. I want to kind of touch on uh, the, the the niche that you've picked, right? The industrial and manufacturing niche that yep. you've picked. I know before the call started, you told me that you know because you've come because you have a manufacturing, um, I mean, you have an engineering degree in manufacturing and you've kind of kicked off your career that way. It was, e it's, it's, uh, it seemed like, you know, the, the easiest uh, industry to pick, correct me if I'm wrong. So I, I get that. Uh, but what are the differences in terms of, you know, um, you know, when you pick a niche and you, uh, and you provide IT services to a niche versus you kind of, uh, spread the platter, you kind of open up your services to pretty much every other industry. What, what is the difference? So on the, on the IT side, mm -hmm. we're in a, a pretty competitive region of Ontario. We're close to Toronto. We're not in the city mm -hmm. of Toronto. We're, we're outside of it, but I'd say we're, yeah, probably about 75 kilometers from, from Toronto, um, which is why the 75 kilometer radius is mm -hmm. doesn't. There's a lot of manufacturing here, but there's also a lot of um, uh, uh, financial services, uh, obviously government, public health. There's there's those sorts of of right. in the region as well, and some high right. tech. But but there's a lot of manufacturing, and so if if I'm in a competitive environment with a lot of competitors, and I pick mm -hmm. one vertical, and I'm good at it, and I have a lot of clients in that vertical. I get a lot of testimonials, which is on our website. We have a lot of testimonials from our, our customers and they're almost all manufacturing. Some of them are logistics. Right. They're mm -hmm. in the industrial space, right? They could be a transportation, right. uh, uh, warehousing, manufacturing. Yeah. The benefit is that when I walk into that client, if I'm tied with another company, so there's a company that has on their website, they service law firms mm -hmm. and accountants and manufacturing and industrial and everything. And we come in and we just always service as industrial. And other than, other than, um, you know, a few minor things, our website actually 
has more um, imagery of industrial technology. So if you actually go to our website, um, right. my.ca slash Kitchener, mm-hmm. and you look at our, at our website, we, the first mm-hmm. thing is a, is a uh, employee with a tablet repairing a robot. Correct. Um, very engineering, manufacturing kind of oriented. So right. when, the, when that client has to make the decision between the two companies, mm-hmm. um, it's being shown that that focus on their industry is going to make it easier for them to make the decision. They're going to, they're going to go with you more often because mm-hmm. you'll like, Oh, look at all of the examples that they have. And their website even looks mm-hmm. like it's going to help me better. And mm-hmm. they're going to, they're just instinct will be the, right. the second thing that it helps is it's a very big territory. Like we have a lot of, there's a lot of businesses here and we mm-hmm. only have enough marketing budget to spend so okay. much money on so much marketing. So right. if we market, um, if our, if our telemarketer, if our, if our mailings we sent out, if we focus them on one industry mm-hmm. and that's all we do. And we are constantly focusing on that industry, we can market to them twice as much or three times as much mm-hmm. than if we were to do every industry in the whole region, Right. Um, you know, for the same marketing budget. So if I have right. a $5,000 marketing budget and I spend mm-hmm. it on 5,000 companies, I spend a dollar mm-hmm. on each company. If mm-hmm. I spend it on 2,500 companies, I'm spending $2 on each one and I'm doing more marketing to fewer companies. And right. generally speaking, if you target your marketing and you you have more dollars into a single company of mm-hmm. marketing, you're going to be more likely to be successful. And that's sort of the, that's the approach. approach. I think the last thing is um, we can start picking products that suit mm-hmm. them, right? So we can look at the market and we can start looking at technologies that manufacturing companies tend to like, like uh, high-end workstations for CAD. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we can, we can mark, we can market on that, or we can, we can write blog. I can write blogs. I have blogs that I've written about, um, you know, selecting the right kind of technology for your engineering team. Mm -hmm. And, and so that, again, that, that makes us sort of stand out a little bit and, um, and we're bringing a better, conversation to the client when we talk to them right right so it, it kind of goes like this you kind of pick your niche and then the more customers you have the more case studies you have and then you you kind of try and allocate your marketing budget and a lot of yeah. your efforts around that particular industry so you keep fine-tuning it so you have more business so it's it's kind of like a you know a, a cycle that keeps you know the gift that keeps on giving. So you go after a niche yep. and then there is opportunity. So you fine tune it and then there's more opportunity. So yeah, I, I totally get it. Uh, but then in, now I want to ask you one question. Now, yes, uh, I think this is something that you've probably heard a hundred times. This word is, is something that you've probably heard a hundred times from you know so many people around you. But the, industri- uh, the, the industry that you've, got, that you've picked, right? The industrial and uh, manufacturing industry with the pandemic, everything is shut down, at least, you know, industries where physical presence is required, you know, everyone's under lockdown, there's curfew. So how has this, now, if it is, if it is a different software industry, you can still work. I mean, you, you can still have your business running without, uh, you know, needing people in person, but here in the manufacturing industry, things uh, are different, you know, things are different. So, has this impacted your business in any way, positive, negative, in any way? How has it impacted your business? I'd say it's positive because oh, okay. I, th- I think two things happened um, in Canada anyway. And I think in the mm-hmm. United States, 
the same. Manufacturing, almost all manufacturing was considered an essential service. So okay, the okay. companies in their mm -hmm. facilities were operating. Now they may have, uh, they may have had one eight hour shift a week and mm -hmm, they may have mm -hmm. spread it out so that people mm -hmm. were working two eight hour shifts a day instead right. so with less people there. Right. But um, what they did was the office staff, the staff that worked in the, in the, in the front of the factory who were usually closer together, those mm -hmm. staff members had to move home and work from home, but the factory was still running. So the factory portion of a manufacturing company, it tends to be a very, very large building, um, you know, like six meters tall, seven meters tall inside. Mm -hmm. so it's very, very high, right. uh, it's easy to create airflow. It's easy to keep social distance. The mm -hmm. offices are smaller, two and a half meter tall, uh, right. maybe three meters tall. Uh, they're tighter. And so those had to empty. And that created opportunity for us because our customers came to us and said, we're trying nice. to look for home. Nice. How can you help us? And, nice. and we facilitated them moving to their home offices. And then, and then what I think it also did was a lot of companies realized wow, we need better ways of working from home. This could happen again. Like, I, I don't think anybody believes that the COVID-19 is gone and mm -hmm. that it's just finished, right? No, I it's not. Yeah, yeah. It in the United States and Canada, we're, we're very high. We have good vaccination rates, but even, even so, we're very, very worried about, about COVID. And I know in the rest right. of the world, like, they're still trying to catch up. Right. And I think that the... Um, the move towards investment in mm -hmm. helping us work from home, helping us continue to be remote, have hybrid work where you can you can maybe only come into work once or twice twice a week, mm -hmm. and you can work from home three times a week, but have that equipment, the technology, the cloud solutions, mm -hmm. ERP. But even if if you if you forget the ERP, even even having the ability for engineers to work from home with with something okay. like you enabled cloud CAD designing. Um, right. That kind of thing I think is is just beginning to be realized by people that they need to redesign and reimagine right. their technology platforms. Right, right. I, and I think it's in, I think the interesting bit for me is uh, because you've you've made it a niche. I mean, you've picked it. You've focused only on you know uh, this industry. This gives you enough. Uh, and more, uh, uh, you know, scope, you know, in terms of, you know, when some, when, when people or when your clients need help, you know, what exactly you need to do to kind of uh, yes. help them or fix the issue. Had it been like, a, you know, um, had it been multiple industries, things might have been a little challenging, but you know, the space really well, you know, the customers, you know, exactly what they need. So that, that kind of actually helps. So it, it kind of reiterates the fact that, you know, picking a niche and then fine tuning it, it actually works in your favor. If you're doing it right, I think it works in your favor. Yeah, because I think one of the things that really I notice is that when we go into a, a business that isn't in our niche, so we go into a law firm or something mm -hmm. like that, and they start talking about the software they use, we don't know it. So right. they have software for tracking the use, like mm -hmm. the copies they're making on their on their their printers. Mm -hmm. They have software for tracking their their lawyers' hours and and expenses. They have and, and we're not familiar with that. But but right. an IT company that does a lot of law firms would be very familiar with it. Right. We go into a manufacturing company and they start describing what they're doing, and we're very familiar. We know right away. 
Right, you know, it's right. very, oh yeah, okay. So you have one of yeah. those, does that, have, so is that on a new server or old server? Or what do you, what do you yeah. guys, well, it's an yeah. old server. Okay, so you need to replace that because we know that technology is gonna be coming to the end of life soon. So we'll need to get yeah. you a new server. So, you, and and we just, we're, we're immediately able to provide a better level of communication. I think the other thing, and this is this is probably something most MSPs wouldn't have the benefit of, but mm -hmm. because of our ERP experience we do, we can mm -hmm. also talk to them about technology related to their ERP in a smarter way. So we could talk right. to them about bar barcode scanning and how to manage right. inventory and right. RFID technology and things like that, that manufacturers are really interested in. Like this is where they say, oh, I can, my business can be more productive if my staff right. have, are able to barcode scan inventory. Right. Just as an right. And we understand that. And that is something I think that a lot of them really understand, like they learn quickly that we have a good understanding of that. And it, and it really does like right. lead to right. better conversation. Correct, right. Because you're speaking the same language, you know what they need. You know right. exactly, uh, you know where where they're going to hit a roadblock, and you have the answers for it. So I think, yeah, it, it makes total sense. I have I have a, I think just a few uh, questions before we kind of close this. Yeah, um, so if there's, I mean, this is more of a lighthearted thing. So if there's anything that you would uh, change, you know, you go back 10, 15 years, and then you, if if there's anything you want to change, uh, it could be, um, it could be a career change, or you know, it could be. Uh, the industry that you picked, there's anything at all that you wanted to change that you would have changed, what would it be? I, first of all, I think I would have, there were, there were a few times in the past 10 years where I thought I should expand out of manufacturing. Okay. I should do construction or I should do um, real estate company, real estate agencies or things like mm -hmm. that. I, I, and I've, I've made that effort and I don't think that was well time well spent we were okay. really good at manufacturing we okay. should have just stuck to manufacturing um every time we tried to get out of and and tried to branch out and do something different it didn't end up going as well because right honestly we just we had to learn a whole new area and Correct. we were so good at what we did right we should we should have just put more effort into the manufacturing side um i think i should have started selling dynamics sooner okay I waited, um, the first 10 years I was in business, I sold, mm -hmm. I, I was, I wasn't selling an ERP. I was just servicing, um, existing ERP systems that clients had mm -hmm. in, in the early two thousands, I should have gone to Microsoft and selected a, a dynamics platform. Then, um, I waited right. until just before the great recession mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so I, that didn't give me enough time to develop the business. And then the recession happened and nobody wanted to buy an ERP for about three years. So I think it was, it was, a it was bad timing. I've had a lot mm -hmm. of bad timing. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, no, I think most of the rest of it, I would, I would okay. have done it, nice. but yeah, if, I, if I'd been involved in dynamics earlier, um, and I had not, I had always stuck to my manufacturing, just keep like, we're really good at it. That's what good I'm at good it. at. Right. And manufacturing engineer by education, I can walk in and I can talk to a manufacturing person right. as a peer. You know, I've, I've even taught supply chain at the local college. Um, you know, I, 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 
my background is extremely strong in that area and I should have just stuck to it the whole time. Never tried to vary from it. Nice. Nice. I, yeah. Keep, go ahead. I say this. Keep doing what you're good at. If you're nice. really good at something, get better and better, better at it and only focus on things that add to that. Don't, don't try and, you know, uh, this, I, if, I, if I changed and I made some, I, I learned some new skill, I could be even bigger. If you haven't exhausted the capability of the first one, just keep going until you, you've got no more customers that you can pursue. Got it. Got it. Got it. And yes, just two more questions, quick questions. Um, if, if there is anything, any, any resources that you want our listeners to uh, go back, read, look up, listen, what, what would they be? Yeah, I've, I've, I, 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 I blog a bit. So I have a few blogs. I could, I could give you some, some blogs I would find, I think are interesting that I written recently that you could put in the, in the comments. Yes, yes, absolutely. Comments. I'll, yep, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll look at those. Right. Um, you know, if, if you're interested in Microsoft Dynamics and, mm -hmm. and reselling it, I would talk to your distributor, PaxAid or SureWeb or Ingram Micro or whoever it is that you buy your, your Office 365 um, dynamic or, and would buy mm -hmm. dynamic drive through, they mm -hmm. are working very hard now, mm -hmm. uh, to help with this, uh, partner to partner motion so that CSPs can sell dynamics. Um, and I, I do think it's a, it's a, it's also a opportunity to get your, your foot in the door of companies that you maybe were not able to get into because it's a right. different thing to talk about your other, your competitors are not talking about this. Um, so I, I, I'd look at them, Pax8, Ingram, Tech Data, Synex, uh, SureWeb, um, any of the, any of the big, uh, resellers, resellers. Of, uh, of Office 365. And, um, yeah, I, I think other than that, uh, the obvious thing is be very worried about security, like yes. very, very concerned about that and, and focus right. on that. I, I think that's an obvious thing that that um, right. MSPs need to do too. Right, right. I think uh, it, it's very important uh, considering all, all the, um, you know, the cyber uh, attacks and, you know, the vulnerabilities that yeah. are opening up, you know, it's just like a can of worms. It's just opening up and then, you know, it, it's just crazy out there. And it's very important, it's very, very important uh, right now. I think one thing that I'm taking away and, and all of our toolkit are all in the cloud right now. We don't have any tools that we're using that we have hosted on our, our servers ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, one of the things I took away from the recent Kaseya event was mm -hmm. that if you have an old on-prem PSA RMM solution that mm -hmm. you're running on your own server and you're managing and maintaining, like it's time to get rid of it guys. Right. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You got to move to the cloud. That the Kaseya hack was terrible, but it was almost it wasn't exclusive. There were few mm -hmm. Kaseya cloud customers who were affected, but the Kaseya customers who had servers that were running their old RMM solution and their PSA solution, and those were what got hit. And they were the ones that that didn't fix it quickly because they didn't they didn't have they don't have the resources. They don't have the twenty four hour personal monitoring. And so they got hit and, they, and they're the ones that got just whacked. So, I mean, I'm going to stay in the cloud. I'm also going to put, you know, like 
endpoint monitoring on all right. of my internal computers, all my servers. I think I'm just going to put it on my customer servers. I'm not even going to ask them. You know, I, I, at this point in time, I'm super worried about, about, um, about that. Yeah. I think, uh, I think MSPs and businesses, I think everyone needs to be uh, absolutely careful, safe and secure with their data, the tools that they use, where they store their data and, you know, where, where the tools are hosted. So it's, it's very critical today. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think where the tools are hosted are so important. It's got to be in a professionally run, cloud-based, with a security, like a 24-7 security monitoring. And if you can't provide that for yourselves, then you, you should not be hosting it on your own equipment. It, right. should, be on, it should be on off-prem, like on, on cloud-hosted yeah, on cloud. equipment yeah. in a proper yeah. infrastructure that somebody's, somebody's watching it for you. So that would be like, now that's not a something I would change. That's just... And I, I'm not the only one who's saying that. Um, I I have heard some people calling to get rid of RMMs Mm -hmm. and I think that's crazy too. Um, I, you know, I, I think just because, um, some hacks have occurred through RMM systems, Mm -hmm. switching away from them is not necessarily better because I could just see people using that as an excuse to turn on remote desktop again. Right. And that's just bad or worse. So right. yeah, I, I I think we just have to be very cautious with the RMM tools we get. We have to make sure they're professional, that they're they're hosted in the cloud, and that we're not the ones who are responsible for the security. Right, right. You're absolutely right, and I'm totally with you on that, uh, Robert. So one last question before I let you go: uh, Who's the next person you'd like for me to bring on the show? Oh, geez. <laughs> I don't, I'm not exactly sure. I, I would, um, you know, I think that I've, I recently joined the tech tribe. Right. And I uh, really like uh, what Nigel at the tech tribe has done to create okay. a uh, community of, um, of MSPs. I, I, right. I'm, it's funny because I actually, I have a franchise, an MSP franchise. And I find okay. the content from the tech tribe is sometimes better than the content from my franchise. <laughs> but, but for the very small amount, I, I would, I would recommend uh, interviewing uh, Nigel or Dan, uh, Dan from the tech tribe. Um, okay. Dan Baird, I think his name is uh, he's local to me. I know him pretty well. I've known him for a few years. He introduced me there, but he's a major contributor to the tech tribe. And then there's uh, Nigel, who's the founder. I, I would, I would interview them. They're, they're kind of cool. Got it. Got it. Got it. We've, we've already had uh, Nigel on our show. So uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I know. Well, uh, with that, we come to the end of the show. Thank you so much for uh, being here on the show, Robert.